Hey guys, welcome back to the Self-Confidence Project. I'm your host, Kimberly Hill, and we're talking about all things life, confidence, relationships, what gets you up in the morning, what doesn't get you up in the morning. That's what we talk about in this podcast. I'm super glad you're here. If you're the first time tuning in, subscribe to my channel, hit the like button, spread the love, and uh, looking forward to getting into another amazing episode with you guys today. So what are we waiting for? Let's get started. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Self-Confidence Project. I am very excited today because I'm going to be talking about and talking with a former client of mine, Tim, around uh, belief systems. And we're really going to dive into his story and some of the beliefs that he has uh, grown up with, adopted in his life, what that really meant, how it shaped out for him, and really kind of what he believes now. So, Tim, thanks for, ha- for joining me on the show today. Absolutely. Glad to be here. <laughs> I've had the pleasure of working with Tim for eight weeks and uh, he kindly accepted my uh, invitation to join me on my podcast so I can actually turn things around and pick his brain. <laughs> <laughs> so Tim, tell everyone who's listening um, just who you are, where you are, and just a little bit about your story. Okay. Um, sure. My name is Tim Miller. I live in Southwest Nebraska. And um, I've been on a journey for the last few years, particularly, where most of the belief systems that I grew up with had to be set aside for a time because they weren't working for me anymore. And I had to go through a process or maybe got to go through a process of um, exploring and and discovering and examining and rebuilding to, I don't think the process is ever done, but to what feels like a much healthier, happier, productive place than where I was before. Mm -hmm. Uh, My basic story is uh, I was raised pretty fundamentalist Christian, and then that eventually shifted to a more focus of like a messianic Judaism, where a lot of Jewish beliefs and, and culture came into play, but we didn't walk away from Jesus as the savior, which I know um, a significant number of Jewish people stay away from that. And um, so we, we stayed in that for quite some time. And also a big part of that story was the world of the purity culture, um, which basically was, we're not going to do the dating scene. We're not going to do the casual dating, not going to be part of the hookup culture. And this was all um, explored and then passed on to us by my parents. Yeah. Um, and it was more of a, you're just going to be friends with people. You're going to keep your heart set aside. You're not going to fall in love, all those kinds of things until you find the person that God wants for you. Then you're going to marry them and then you're going to fall in love with them. And well, so you fall in love after you kind of agree to be that's with them. correct. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. That was, or at least once the commitment has been made, maybe between the commitment and then the actual marriage, because supposedly the betrothal or whatever the commitment was, was as if you were going to get married, it was, yeah. it would take something significant to break it. And you didn't enter into it lightly. It wasn't like, Hey, you want to go steady for a couple of weeks. It was, you're the person that I'm going to spend the rest of my life with and we'll get married in the not too distant future. At that and, point you were supposed to fall in love or whatever. So was it, so is there like a, some time allotted or allowed for a courting period? Um, yes. And I suppose everyone's story is going to be a little bit different. Um, but in my situation, we were allowed to, um, spend some time together, but typically not alone. There had to be a chaperone of some sort, even if it was 
um, my the woman who became my wife, even if it was her little um, brother who was seven years younger. Right. Um, somebody had to be there to make sure that nothing inappropriate took place. So you didn't do anything untoward. <laughs> Correct. Nothing that we would regret later on. And I, I can honor the intentions. Yeah. I know the generation that, that came up with this idea um, and they felt like it was going back to the original way that it was supposed to be or, or something, I suppose. But it was that they really had some miserable heartache and heartbreak and in the casual dating scene. And a lot of marriages, my parents were both divorced from other people before they found each other. Mm-hmm. And so it was the intention was save this next generation from all of that and let them walk into a relationship unscarred without the baggage and all that kind of thing. So I can honor that. I just, in my experience, at least it, it backfired. So the scarring and the baggage would come from having like relationships that didn't work out. Is that what I'm understanding? Correct. Yes. Uh, Where you fell in love and then ripped it apart. And then you've got that scar tissue or um, those are all the different pictures that were given to me. Right. So in this instance, you came in what would have been considered as baggage free. Correct. I had never been in a relationship, never had sex, never um, had even been physically involved at all with any other other girl ever. And so it was it was quite a shift. Yeah. So a whole learning process for both of you. Absolutely. Um, And one that um, my wife and we can continue the story, but she uh, we've almost finished the divorce process now after 18 years. one that we have both looked back and said, man, that was pretty rough that first couple of months, like no idea what we were doing. Um, and there was a lot of other dynamics involved too, but, but yeah, it was, it's like, maybe it wasn't all it was cracked up to be. I can say that for sure. The, the promises didn't really play out in my case. Yeah. Cause then you actually get two people with two emotions exploring and, and, and probably going through some really fun and great times together, but also some really difficult times that maybe you have no comparison to, right? Correct. No comparison. And at least in my case, again, no framework to even know how to sit down and have a healthy conversation or, or anything like that. We both, in my opinion, looking back now, we both were kind of on our own little islands stuck in our own little worlds. I, I had a belief system about what a good husband does and what a good wife does. And we just tried to play our roles and really missed a relationship in the process. Yeah. Again, my opinion. Yeah, of course. And this is all just, you know, my opinion, your opinion, but I'm, I'm curious. Yes. So when you, you say you had that idea of like the role that you had to play and the role your wife had to play. Um, it might be really interesting for whomever is listening today to understand what your thoughts were on that role. So what did you think made a good uh, husband? Um, well, I would say the one that was preached to me that I adopted, and, and this again goes back to the whole belief system idea, it was that a husband would lay down his life for his wife the way Christ laid down his life for the church. Mm-hmm. That was the teaching that I tried to follow. The way that played out in my life was I, I prided myself on not having an opinion mm-hmm. about most things anyway. I was very easy to get along with um, or tried to be. And, uh, and basically it was, I will defer what I want, what I need. Actually, I pretended I didn't have needs. Right. Um, and so 
so that was kind of how the the um, the basic idea was this is what a good husband does he doesn't stand up for himself he doesn't demand things he isn't pushy he isn't rude he's very polite very easy to get along with he takes care of his children well he provides for his family well all of those things so putting the needs of um, of everyone almost before your own or not even acknowledging you had needs correct yep yeah i i would i actually prided myself on you know i need food water and shelter yeah. and that's all I need. Everything else is a bonus. Right. Interesting. So when we talk about like the emotional manifestation of kind of suppressing our opinions, our needs, what was your experience with that? Did you notice within yourself that you felt sad, angry, confused? What, what, what was it that was happening for you internally? Yes. Those feelings would come up every now and again. Um, and, and it was typically when maybe things weren't going well in a different area of life. I, I'm not sure what all the dynamics were there, but, you know, maybe say it had been a week where work had been really stressful and, and it felt like maybe things were falling apart or I wasn't doing a good job. And then these other things would also start to bubble up. Like, you know, why, why do I feel so lonely in a marriage? And I, I was promised I would fall in love, but all of the things that I say and do that make it look like I'm in love, I, I kind of have to muster them mm. and almost force them. Like, you know, a, a, a guy that's in love with his wife would write her love notes on cards, right? Okay, I can do that. Ah. And, and not to say that we didn't have real affection and real yeah. good times and that kind of thing too, but, but there was always, it would always revert back to that, man, something just doesn't feel right here. And then almost immediately that, that inner critic or whatever you want to call it would rise up and say, you shut up, you know, you be grateful for what you have. Look at what this woman does for you. She raises your children. She, she gives you sex, you know, all of these things. She's an amazing person. You're lucky to have her. People would give their right arm to be in a relationship like I have. Everybody else thinks everything looks good. All those kinds of things would come up. And so it was basically, you need to sit down and be quiet and be grateful for what you have and stuff these feelings that something is a little off. Mm. Stuff these feelings. Yeah, absolutely. What do you wish you had known back then? Um, well, one thing right off the bat I can say is humans have needs. Yeah. And that's not bad. That's, that's how we are, whether you believe we were created or we were involved and absolutely food, water, and shelter, you're going to survive. Yes. Our basic, but, our basic, basic needs. Right. Yes, the basic survivalist needs. Yeah. That's that's all there is. But but I eventually came to a place where I realized I I don't want to just survive anymore. I'm ready to actually thrive yeah. and grow. You know, I'm tired of just being this stunted root, basically, kind of crammed in a sidewalk somewhere. I want to grow and flower and have leaves and and all of those things. And so once I started to recognize that surviving was one thing, but if you want to actually live and thrive. That's, that's a whole nother thing. And, and it's good. And it's, it's okay. It's not like you're being selfish or any of these mm -hmm. things that, that I kind of, whether I was taught them directly or just absorbed them indirectly, that was kind of where I was. So that for sure would be um, a, a big one. Like humans have needs and that's good. And that's and, okay, right? Yes. Yes. And it, it's wonderful. And how about and, so acknowledging those needs, but how about, do you wish back then you knew how to 
ask for what you needed, whether yes. it's intimate or friends or, or community or otherwise. Yes, yes. That would be the next thing at the top of my list of what I wish I had known. I, again, either directly or indirectly got the belief that I just needed to keep anything unpleasant or ugly inside. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and now I'm in a place where I say, no, those things, if you really want real intimacy and to really be known and to be in a relationship for who you are, not who you're pretending to be or the role that you're playing, then you have to be a real person and you have to say those things that might be ugly or might be unaccepted yeah. or might ruin this date night or those kinds of things mm -hmm. because otherwise you are going to just cut yourself off. And, and honestly, that's why I think I experienced so much loneliness. Um, obviously with two people in a relationship, there's two parts to every story, but the biggest part of my loneliness I finally came to see was that I just, I couldn't speak. Even the ugly parts or the unacceptable parts, I locked those things away and I wouldn't share them because I thought they would not be accepted and I desperately wanted to be accepted. So there's two things for sure I wish I had known yeah. that I know now. So it's interesting as well, because I experience this with a lot of my clients, which is this, it's almost a universal belief, not necessarily like, so your belief system came from your experience and the religion that, you know, uh, you, you prescribe to, or at least were taught for a while. But I, I find that even mm -hmm. with clients that don't necessarily have a religion, that there's still this universal belief that if men have needs, that that makes them needy. So what would you say to that universal belief? Yeah, I agree. Like you and I have talked about over the last few weeks, I feel like I got that double dose. Yeah. I agree. The, the religion was a big part of it, the belief system there. <clears throat> but there's also just that human aspect of the things that we pick up from our environment. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, I, I think our culture does teach, at least it has, I think it's starting to shift, but I think it does teach that you need to be a tough man and and uh, get that stiff upper lip and um, nobody can hurt you and, and all of those things. And, mm -hmm. and what I would say at this point is it's a charade. You can do that if you want to, that's okay. All of us will, I think to a certain extent, but at some point you might want to just say, who shoved me into this box and do I want to stay here? Or would I like to explore what it's like to be a real human? To almost to just give yourself permission to think for yourself. Yes, yes, absolutely. And, and most of us, I think, are kind of stuck swimming in the, in the pool, I guess, that we were born in. And we can only know what we know. And, and so, you know, to a certain extent, until you dare to, to take a look out that prison door and, and explore the world and hear a different opinion, you're just going to kind of be stuck doing the same thing and getting the same results. Yeah. And it, like, kind of like this not acknowledging that you necessarily have needs or thinking that men are needy for having needs, I think leads to a lot of that stereotypical Mr. Nice guy, right? Having to be like very perfect <coughs> on the exterior, always being of service to others. And this typical idea of being a people pleaser, which I'm, I notice with a lot of the men I work with, they're doing what mm -hmm. they think is the right thing to please and keep the peace and avoid conflict at all costs. Uh, and they're finding that it's actually working ag against them or at their disadvantage. And there's one toxic relationship belief that um, even I believe for quite a long time, which is relationships should be conflict-free. 
So what do you think? Oh, yes. Do you agree or disagree with that? <laughs> um, I very much disagree at this point. Um, I definitely played the Mr. Nice Guy for most of my life. There were certainly times where I got tired or I let that um, facade or charade slip a little bit and I would lash out or say something harsh or, or those kinds of things, but it always went badly. And so there was always this, don't do that again. That was stupid. You just, you know, you hurt her, you cost yourself a, a nice evening. You know, she withdrew for a couple of days, all that kind of stuff. And so, so yeah, for sure there's been that, uh, um, don't, don't have conflict. And like, I was proud of it. Mm -hmm. um, we, we have a successful relationship because we never fight. And then I would look at people that were fighting and I was like, man, that looks like it really sucks. I'm glad I don't do that. Mm -hmm. But now I can see that it doesn't have to be one or the other. There can be a healthy, Hey, this is me. This is my opinion. Or I hear you and your opinion and I strongly disagree. Mm -hmm. And but I, I feel like for me personally, I was so terrified that I couldn't do that. So afraid of the rejection that I couldn't do that yeah. until I realized that rejection does not equal death, which I think is where the, the deep fear comes from. Like if I get abandoned, I'm going to die kind oh, yeah. of thing. Yeah. And once I started to recognize that, wait a minute, rejection might mean like you and I have talked about in the dating world, Mm -hmm. Like somebody says right up front, hey, no thanks, you're not my type. That's actually doing you a favor rather than spending the next your time, 10 years. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Don't spend the next 10 years trying to pretend to be something that they want while they pretend to be something that you yeah. want. Just say right up front, hey, this isn't going to work. And yeah. they might say, well, screw you then. And uh, But still, it's <laughs> time, time is saved. Well, screw you back, right? <laughs> uh, honestly, to a certain extent, yeah. I, uh, I spoke with a, a new client the other day and, and he's like, I, he's, he's got out of a divorce and he's been talking with a couple of women and he knows that it's not going anywhere. He, he doesn't want it to go anywhere. And he kind of said to me, look, I really feel, and I'm explicit on this podcast. I'm going to swear. He swear. He goes, I, I feel really shitty that I have to let both these girls down because I don't really want it to go any further. And he's like, what should I do? Yeah. I said, well, you have two options here. One, you be assertive and you let them know that you're not ready to date and it's not for you and thanks for their time and, and you move on and yeah, maybe you hurt their feelings, but it's ended at that point. Or mm -hmm. I said, you can continue to kind of talk a little bit, maybe feed your ego a bit, uh, see where the conversations go. And then in three months time, decide to go back to step A and actually let them know that it's not right and, and end it then. I said, which is worse? Mm-hmm. And he's like, uh, he actually was like, ah, doing it right now feels worse. But then he's like, no, it's way worse if I just prolong something that I'm actually not interested in, like having a relationship with this person. Uh, and let me just drag it out for three months. It's way worse having to do it then. Way worse. Yeah, yeah, I would definitely agree. Yeah. And I know for me in my past, there was this idea like that, that I could be perfect for any woman. Like mm -hmm. I imagined that you tell me what you want and I can be that for you. Mm -hmm. um, and, and so there was this, this just, just this belief that that was like one of my superpowers. And right. now, like now I look at it and yes, yes. The chameleon, the shape shifting kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And now I look at it and I say, first of all, how exhausting I'd yeah. like to just be me and I'm done trying to divine what someone else wants and then try to be that. Yeah. And, and so now when I look at it, if someone had said to me, sorry, man, you're not my type, 
in the past that would have been like, oh, you, you just hit me at my deepest core. Yeah. Like I thought I could please anyone. And now you're saying I'm not your type, but where I am today now, I would say, thank you so much for having the courage and honoring me in that way and respecting me enough as a person to say, Hey, I don't see us going anywhere. It doesn't hit me in my value and my worth anymore like it used to. So that, that feels like a, a, such a better place to be. Well, now you know your value and your worth and who you are. And often when we're trying to play a role, it's because we don't know who we should be. And the thing is, is that especially with women, speaking on behalf of some women, not all, is like, uh, we don't know what we want half the time either. So it's like, (laughs) how hard is that for you? Because you got to be one guy one day and another guy the next week. And you're probably not going to get it right because we don't also know what we want. So Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's an exhausting game we play, but... Man, we all play it a lot. That's why it's so important to get clear on some of the stuff that we've looked at, right? Is like, what are your value systems? What do you value the most? Because that really yes. direct us to what's most important to us. Because let's be real, time is equal for all of us. So where we spend our time and how we spend it uh, gives us a clue to what's most important to us, right? And it's like yes. a lot of people get into relationships and they're not really sure what they value or they think they know what they value and they try and just create values to fit that person. And then mm-hmm. a couple years goes down the goodbye and you realize you're c- completely not compatible for one another because as we talked about, right, it's value structure that uh, is arguably more important than shared interests, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And just going back to, I just want to touch back on this uh, kind of toxic belief about relationships to be conflict free. And you were saying, you know, there's probably a happy medium in there. Uh, it really mm-hmm. doesn't mean that there's not going to be nasty arguments or that there'll be the cr- odd criticism now and then, or someone might slam a door or get angry, right? We're allowed to have emotions and feelings, but really it's about being conflict resolvers and how well two individuals can come back together and repair the arguments, right? Yes, yes, for sure. There's an aspect to that that I I haven't experienced a lot yet, but I, I feel like the the conflict I mean, sure, we want to resolve the conflict and, you know, I misunderstood, you misunderstood, we're back on good footing. But, but I think there's something else to it as well, where it's, it's a path to um, like those triggers that set us off. Uh-huh. Those are, I see them now as an invitation to intimacy, both me with myself and me with a partner. And, and this is still somewhat theoretical for me, but, um, yeah. but those triggers like that, those are some deep, potentially very deep core type wounding kinds of things mm. that, that um, they're in there in the dark festering, whether we like to admit it, I, I believe. Yeah. So those triggers are more uh, an invitation or like a, a, a releasing, like ripping a scab off of a wound that really does need to be examined. And yeah. maybe we can't do it all at once. And it certainly would need to be on each person's own time, not, hey, you're angry. I can see that. Let's dig into it. Like, <laughs> no, maybe, <laughs> maybe I'm not ready for that right now. Important. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I do see instead of the hiding from conflict, I think, and, and thinking that that was a good thing to avoid, cut us off, cut me off mm-hmm. from some opportunities that, that I'm just now starting to explore that had I not had that belief system about conflict, I potentially could have explored 15, 20 years ago. 
Yeah. I remember a relationship I had many years back when I was living in Australia. I was very proud because I would tell people we, we, uh, we never argue. And yeah. uh, then I realized that there was a lot that wasn't being said because conflict can actually help us in these ways, right? It actually, depending mm-hmm. on what the conflict is about, if it's about the dishes, maybe there's something really underlying it, right? It's signals, absolutely. And yeah, it signals a need for change. Right. It shows us that our lives are interdependent um, and it's often about an underlying need that isn't being met. So there's a real opportunity with conflict to actually discuss it and resolve it. And extensive research, and we're referring to the Gottman Institute here, has demonstrated mm-hmm. that conflict, when managed properly, right, caveat, when managed properly, yes. <laughs> uh, strengthens relationships and can really serve as a catalyst for better solutions and closeness, like you were saying, closeness with our partners, right? Yes, yes. Wow. I love it. I really am really enjoying this conversation. So uh, how are you feeling now? So like what's next for you? Um, I don't have a specific plan and I'm, uh, I'm trying to stay in that place. Yeah. Um, Like I mentioned in the email, I did go ahead and bite the bullet and sign up for a, an app, which has been interesting. Nothing much (laughs) going on there, but at least the step was made. Okay. Um, What do you mean? Nothing much going on. Are you doing um, much on there or are you kind of signed up and that's about it so far? No, occasionally when I've got some downtime, I've scrolled through and, yeah. and uh, you know, swipe right on a few, swipe left on a few. And it's, <laughs> it's just kind of interesting to see these people and it, it, their, their bios are sometimes amusing, sometimes like, oh my God, I'll keep my distance there. But, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> yeah, warning sign very early, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's just all types. And you know, like one thing for me, I've, I've had children, I'm done having children. I'm, I'm not going to have any more. And so when someone puts in their bio, want children someday, that's an immediate swipe left for me. Not that I find that repulsive or anything. It's just, I can honor that. I'm excited for you. I hope you get to experience that, but yeah. you're not going to experience that with me. And so Fair enough. That's being really clear on like what you will or will not compromise on, right? Yes. Yes, for sure. And and I don't want to pretend or lead anybody on. That's that's just, I mean, I'm not going to go back to playing those kind of roles and charades. There's just no point for me now at this point. Yeah. As if maybe in the past you'd say, oh, I can be that guy. I can, I can, I can give you children because you, right. think, you think that's what you're supposed to do. Right. But how many kids do right. you have him? I have six children, <laughs> ranging from uh, seventeen to two years old, and so, um, so yeah, I'm done. I I have a full plate with those that I have, and I'm delighted with every single one of them, and and uh, no more. And the, the thing is, is that when you do meet that special somebody, uh, they are going to be so wowed by how rich and amazing a life with you can be because of what you have and what you've been through and what you've learned and what you now believe. So I'm excited for you and your progress just in your personal life. And of course, you know, I'm, I'm invested in that relationship life of yours down the road too. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, is there anything you feel you want to share with anyone listening today? Any thoughts that come up just as we kind of close off? I think it's been a really fascinating combo. I think there's going to be some real interesting lessons in here that, that help other people, especially hearing it from a man, not always listening to Kimberly, the woman saying it. So <laughs> it's a refreshing change. But is there anything that you feel you want to share before we, we close off for today? Um, you know, as I was thinking about the whole subject and, and uh, preparing to talk with you, there was a quote that I thought of specifically about the belief systems mm-hmm. that, that I thought I would share. 
I don't know if you're familiar with um, Anthony DeMello. I haven't read his books. They look fascinating. I, I need to look into them, but um, he was a Jesuit priest. Yeah. And a few years ago, as I was going through this whole process, I read this quote and, and it, it rang true for me at the time. And the quote is, people mistakenly assume that their thinking is done by their head. It is actually done by the heart, which first dictates the conclusion then commands the head to provide the reasoning that will defend it. I would love for you to say that one more time. Sure. Yeah. Um, from, from Anthony DeMello. Yeah. People mistakenly assume that their thinking is done by their head. It is actually done by the heart, which first dictates the conclusion, then commands the head to provide the reasoning that will defend it. Ah, I love it. I just, I thought it would good for, good for you to repeat it because it was, it was long and you had to really, I had to close my eyes and see where you were going with that one. Yeah, um, yeah, it is a long quote. It's a lot better to read it than hear it, I'm sure. But, yeah. but um, as I thought about the whole world of belief systems, I, I started to realize like it's very rarely is it that we acquire all the information and then draw our conclusion. To mm -hmm. me, it looks like more often it happens the other way around where we draw a conclusion like, conflict oh, yeah. in relationships is bad yeah. and then we spend the rest of our time finding yeah. ways to yeah. to to filter all our information through that conclusion and that kind of thing so yeah. yeah that was the only other thing that i felt like was pertinent for my input into this particular conversation well it is fascinating because i'd like to challenge people on how they actually believe something to be true right and you're right in saying in that mm -hmm. quote, like most of the times we have a belief and we will go and find information to confirm that belief versus actually looking for the information that counters it or disagrees with it, right? I yes. think it's called confirmation bias, right? We're always looking for confirmation yes, yes. of what we believe versus uh, saying, hey, Google, uh, you know, who disagrees with this, right? And actually being open-minded <laughs> right. enough to say, okay, there's two, there is, life is not black and white, right? It typically ends up being Correct. in the middle, right? In the gray zone. Yes, yes. Well, that's fascinating. It was a beautiful quote to leave us with. And I just want to thank you again for not only like spending eight weeks with me, but then having the uh, willingness to jump on and share some of your thoughts with people that are listening. And uh, absolutely it's been a real, real pleasure getting to know you um, and having you on the show today. So thank you very much, Tim. Oh, thank you. Same here. All right. So hopefully that was providing a little bit of insight to you. It was such a pleasure to, uh, to chat with Tim there. And of course, guys, if this is something that is holding you back, if this is something that you have struggled with, really your beliefs around relationships, what do I believe? What don't I believe? If you're struggling with maybe holding on to some beliefs that aren't serving you, the truth is, is most of us aren't aware of the beliefs that are holding us back. And that's why we need to kind of poke and do a little bit of digging to understand what's really stopping us from having what we want to have, whether it's more joy, more satisfaction, uh, just anything in our life that we're craving. There's typically a belief or a story that might stop us from having it. So we uncover what that is first, and then we work on breaking them down and really reframe and create new, more supportive, positive belief systems that really take us to where we want to be. So if this is something you're interested in, uh, you can do it with me, you can do it with someone else, but it's definitely worth exploring. Uh, of course, if you want to reach out to me, you can find me at Kimberly Nina, Nina can't say my own 
name. You can find me at KimberlyNinaHill.com or of course, reach out to me on Instagram at KimberlyNinaHill. I'll leave the links uh, in the uh, podcast uh, comments below. And of course, uh, if you want to connect with Tim as well, he's uh, given me permission to drop his Instagram handle in here as well. So if you've experienced something similar, you maybe have a similar story, you want to reach out, he said, go ahead and do that. So uh, guys, it's been a real pleasure bringing you another episode today and look forward to a new one next week. Ciao.